Hi, and welcome to episode 19 of the Dinner Sisters podcast, where two sisters taking on the nightly challenge of dinner. I'm Kate Schultz, living and working in Rhode Island. I'm a passionate cook and recipe collector. I'm always thinking about my next meal. And I'm Betsy Wallace. I live, work, and raise a family in Atlanta, Georgia, and I love dinner time, but can always use help planning and cooking for my family of five. Yeah, so our goal with this podcast, we want to cook a little better, learn a little bit about food, and most importantly, figure out what the heck to have for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's how this works. Like every week, we have three recipes that we cooked and reviewed from popular food blogs, internet chefs, anywhere I could find something on the internet, essentially. We'll have all these recipes, tips, the smorgasbord, and the shopping list on our website, www.dinnersisters.com. You can also get them sent directly to your inbox by subscribing to our newsletter if you'd like to preview the recipes before listening. Right, so let's jump in here. This week's mm-hmm. recipes were corn and black bean weeknight nachos from Smitten Kitchen, and then we've got some sausage rolls and some pizza bread. Yes. So for those of you who um, try, are playing Guess the Theme, which I'm sure is not very many. Um, but if you are trying to play Guess the Theme, um, our theme this week is Game Night. So whether you're gathering to watch the World Cup, which we just were doing in my house, um, or the Packers this fall, or getting your family together for board games, these are all fun, eat-out-of-hand recipes. Yeah, I love these kind of nights that are a little bit more casual and fun and just have something a little bit different for dinner. Mm-hmm. So if you decide to go above and beyond ordering some pizza or doing a frozen pizza, <laughs> we've got some great ideas for you. Yeah. So first recipe is corn and black bean weeknight nachos from Smitten Kitchen. And I picked this because, well, who doesn't like nachos, first mm-hmm. of all? And I agree with Deb Perlman when she wrote the recipe because she says, um, quote, I've been trying to figure out how to pass nachos off for dinner for most of my adult life. Right. Right. I'm like, I'm with you, Deb. You're like, you're speaking my language, lady. Mm -hmm. And so the way she does this is by adding a ton of veggies to the nachos, like roasted corn and roasted poblano peppers. So the way she assembles the nachos, I think, is kind of a great idea. She does a layer of chips, cheese, the corn and the peppers. And then another layer of chip cheese, corn and peppers, and then mm-hmm. a last layer of that. And then you bake it, you know, get the cheese all melty for 15 to 20 minutes. And you can slice up all your side vegetables um, while while your nachos are kind of, you know, doing their thing. And she suggests radishes, um, avocado, uh, onions, cilantro, lettuce, olives. Basically, this gets the salad treatment, So, which I just was thought was really cool. So what did you think? Yeah, I like these because they were really hearty and it makes for a good dinner. It's kind of fun and casual feeling. Mm-hmm. So I love it. And I have actually been doing the layering trick for a while, but not quite this extensively because no one wants like mm. the sad pile of chips at the bottom I that know. don't have any cheese on it. So I have been layering the cheese, but I hadn't been layering in like the corn and the poblano and other stuff in the layers. I sort of sprinkle that all on top. So I really thought that does make a difference. And then you get a good nacho bite sort of from anywhere in the, in the dish, which is nice. And I did like all those toppings. Again, this is one of those things where the toppings really, really make the meal. Mm -hmm. I think you just got to like bite the bullet and do all the slicing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's going to be your sort of work on this recipe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it does yeah. really, I, I agree. I 
I actually made this for a Saturday lunch World Cup watching extravaganza, mm, um, which has been my life for the past month. <laughs> yeah. So much soccer. Uh, unlike you, I never layered nachos before. I don't know why. And I loved it. And James liked adding his own toppings. Mm-hmm. So the customization was really great. So he found some extra chicken in the fridge. He put that on top, kind of warmed it up, put it on top. I will admit, I looked twice for poblano peppers and could not find them. Oh, really? I, hand to God, this, Rhode Island is great for a lot of produce. Like, I can find a lot of stuff. But peppers, like, specifically, any any peppers of, like, Central South America, not not great. That's not great. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I went with a roasted red pepper, which is fine. It mm-hmm. wasn't the same, you know, but um, what can you do? I mean, you're eating weeknight nachos, so I right. feel like this is not... Right. Um, a real essential, like, specific ingredient. I shouldn't twist myself a nuts around this one. Yeah, yeah. probably not, Kate. <laughs> so you survived with your red pepper. I survived. I made it through. <laughs> All right. What did you What did you rate the nachos? I gave this a four to five. I thought it was a great nacho recipe. It really does take it from like dumping a bag of chips with the shredded Mexican quesadilla mm. cheese under the broiler to a <laughs> a actual meal. Which right. I liked, and I thought it was a good reminder that you can that you can do that. Yeah, I liked that this recipe starts vegetarian, but you can easily adapt it, you know, with chicken, like a rotisserie mm-hmm. chicken, or you've got some, like, leftover taco, taco meat. You know, I actually really super love nachos a lot, so this mm-hmm. actually is a five out of five, because I was like, oh, oh, fun. I could do this more often. Yeah, so that's, that's where I'm with those nachos. Well, good. Excellent okay. Recipe. Mm-hmm. All right, so next up we have sausage rolls. Yes. So I was actually thinking of your kids and James when I picked this recipe. First of all, we know how much all your kids love sausage, Mm -hmm. especially your middle child. And James loves these because he had them a lot while living in England. Uh, It's apparently uh, quite, you know, pretty common recipe to make over there. And so this was an automatic pick for me. Yeah, I felt like our Midwestern roots came out with (laughs) sausage rolls, a little mustard, very delicious. Mm-hmm. So this is from Simply Recipes, and all you have to do is cook some sausage all the way through, just on the stovetop, right? I chose, we had a mild Italian sausage, and then, um, but you could, gosh, you could do a brat, you could do something spicy if you like. Mm-hmm. You just cut those cooked sausages into pieces, wrap them in strips of pre-made pizza dough, kind of like pigs in a blanket, if, you, yeah. if you've ever made those before. Yeah, bake, you're all set. It was super simple. And with the pre-made dough, it couldn't have been easier. Yeah, so we made these when we were road tripping with the kids in Florida. Just Kate and I took the mm-hmm. kids down there. And it was fun, easy, filling meal with a few ingredients. And we had gotten the store-made pizza dough that was already rolled out. Publix kind of sells Amazing. it. Yeah, so we just kind of stripped off the pieces and rolled them up. And it was done super fast. And it was just fun. A big platter of these in the middle of the table mm-hmm. was a great dinner. Yeah, the kids were dying of hunger from being sewing all day so mm-hmm. this is a really really fun meal and yeah. easy they could kind of run around and still be on vacation time but you know have a little sausage roll exactly yeah mm-hmm. it's fun for those kind of situations which i liked yeah and i actually made it for james when we got back because he got really upset that i made pizza sausage rolls right <laughs> <laughs> um and they were delightful again you know this recipe is not setting the world on fire you know but they are delicious and I think you could go a couple ways with them, right? You get a bratwurst in there, you do a little mustard, get the Italian sausage, do a little marinara sauce, ketchup, you know, no judgment, and you're all set. 
I give this recipe a four to five for being a crowd pleaser and dead simple to make. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I also would give this a four out of five. It was a winner in my book. And there's something to be said, too, about being the cook and just like having a big platter full of mm. food that people can grab off of, throw some, you know, like, like a little veggie plate together or something, mm-hmm. and you'd be really set. And it's filling delicious, liked this one. Yeah. All right. And so, dippable, which is dippable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of a fun recipe. So, Our last recipe today is a family favorite that we had all of the time for parties and gatherings when we were kids, Mm. pizza bread. Yes. So our mom made this pizza bread all the time growing up, Mm -hmm. Betsy. I mean, I can't. Like, we'd have a bunch of people over. Staple. She made it with her amazing homemade pizza dough. And it remains one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who did not grow up eating Joanna Schultz's pizza bread, yeah. <laughs> it is basically a stromboli, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long braided loaf of pizza dough with the toppings, the cheese, the sauce, sausage, uh, pepperoni, whatever, on the inside. So imagine you've got this flat piece of pizza dough. You put the fillings in a strip down the middle, cut um, you know, kind of slices off the pizza dough, and then you kind of make a little braid. You bake it, and then you slice it. I think I may have had my body weight in pizza bread over the years, to be honest. Yeah, I love it. And probably me too. And I could just have some pizza bread right now while we're talking mm, about it. Sounds, I know. I, I was know. like, mm. <laughs> Never turn down pizza bread. Um, and it's nice. You can slice it off. It makes great leftovers. Mm-hmm. It's just something we all love. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot difference taste-wise between this and a slice of pizza, but I think the, one of the reasons mom would make it for a party is she could make a couple of these pizza pizza breads, mm-hmm. ri- let them rise, slice them, kind of bake them all at the same time, and they're neater, and then you just slice them all up, and they're, they're little, like, um, they kind of hold a little better than pizza. So, yeah. When we were in Florida, I actually made this with pre-made and pre-rolled pizza dough that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And that worked like a charm. So you don't have to make your own dough. You could. Yeah. That's also delicious. But I think you can easily make this with um, just pizza dough that you roll out, throw some toppings down the center, and then braid up. Yeah, and it is fun. When you're doing the little braid, I mean, it makes you feel fancy and accomplished (laughs) when, in fact... You know, it's it's really not that much work. So, right, yeah, four to five, I would give this one. Yeah, I, there's no way I could give this recipe less than four to five. If you're looking for a different way to do up a pizza night, this might be a good idea. Wrapping up, my winner of the podcast this week is the pizza bread, just uh. because it reminded me that I need to make it more often. Mm-hmm. It's always a hit, and it is something that I think I could pass down to my kids as like a family food tradition. So I like that. Nice. Yeah, I I mean, I feel disloyal saying it, but the nachos win for me. Pizza bread, close, close second. Um, but I just loved it. Oh, they're so good. I just yeah. love the nachos. Yeah, yeah, that is good. It was a good recipe. Mm-hmm. Well, any of these recipes sound good? Make sure to check out our show notes and grocery list at www.dinnersisters.com. There you'll find links to all the recipes, any tips or techniques we discussed, as well as a link to our shopping list spreadsheet. And you can find us on Facebook at Dinner Sisters Podcast. And there we also have some discussions and things to talk about. So today on the Smorgasbord, we have a very special guest, our sister Mary. I am super excited. Hi, Mary. Hi there. 
Weary, why don't you say a little bit about where you are, what you're up to these days, that kind of thing. Well, hello, my name is Mary, and I am the third sister, and I'm happy to be here. I am currently in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I'm here working on my master's studying um, community and regional planning at the University of Oregon. And I've been working in food systems and agriculture. Um, I've done a lot of fun things with food, like gardening and cooking. And I really love to save heirloom vegetable seeds. So here I am, happy to be part of the conversation. Mary always has like the best vegetables growing in her Instagram from all these seeds. And you've been doing a lot in your community garden plot this year, too. I have. I convinced our local community garden coordinator to give me a double adjoining plot. So now I have a little mini farm of sorts um, with my (laughs) wonderful husband, Sam, who's put a lot of effort into it also. And we are growing a lot of cool seeds and plants and exciting things. Fun. All right. So... First things first, I think you have a tip for making delicious homemade hummus, and then you're going to share some thoughts about shopping at the farmer's market based on your experience, because at one point, you and Sam did have your own farmer's market stand where you sold produce and heirloom vegetables and things like that, which will be really fun. So first, let's talk about the hummus. Okay. So I love to make hummus. Um, I think it's a great kind of easy protein-filled dip spread thing that hits the spot, especially with the hot summer weather. You can have it in your fridge. Feel good about having a good healthy snack. My tip is going to be adding baking soda to the chickpeas while they're cooking. Hmm. And that's going to create this alkaline environment so the outside skins of the chickpeas will slip off. If you didn't Mm -hmm. know they had outside skins, that's fine. They do. And after (laughs) cooking, you're going to rinse your chickpeas in this cold water and all the skins will either slide off or float to the top. And then um, you'll just have the bare chickpea left. And the outcome is going to be this really silky, flavorful hummus that is not going to have any of those kind of grainy, fibrous texture. I like it. I love this. So do you think if you were starting with canned chickpeas, would you just put them right in the water and let everything float up, maybe? You can do it both ways. The idea is to have the baking soda in the cooking water. So if they're already cooked, basically, from a can, you're just going to cook them for maybe, like, five minutes or so. If you're cooking them from you know, hard chickpeas, you're going through the whole process of cooking them, you know, they're going to cook for more like 40 minutes till they get soft. But as long as you have soft chickpeas at the end, you'll be fine. Oh, that's nice. So do you, do you find that you have to like dig in there with your hands sometimes to get the, the little skins off? Are you like individually popping these or like a lot of the skins float to the top? They're going to float to the top, but you're going to have to put your hands in there and kind of do a little bit of an agitation to loosen them. Oh, um, okay. But you should be able to do like a little scoop, swoop action nice. with either a spoon or your hands and get them out of there. Cool. And, you know, you're not going to get 100%, but you'll get enough to really make the difference in the taste in the end. Nice. Yeah, Betsy, you could like get your children to pop individual chickpea skins off. I could. And, I mean, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, <laughs> that Meta calls chickpeas her fart pills so (laughs) that would be a really fun afternoon i'm sure they would have but they love chickpeas and i do make hummus occasionally but i have never taken the peels off 
or added the baking soda to the water. And I have to admit, I do find my homemade hummus a little grainy, and I didn't really know that this was the reason why, so I'm willing to try it out, even though it sounds a little fussy. I feel like the overall process of making hummus is pretty easy, so maybe this extra step is not too much. Right, and you make it in a big enough batch that you can be snacking on hummus, and then slowly as you eat your delicious hummus, you forgot about the little <laughs> extra five minutes of doing the hummus. Get hummus, hummus amnesia. You're like, right. oh, that wasn't so bad. So true. I feel like this is one of those things where it's just one of those, like, don't be lazy, Betsy, tips. (laughs) Yes. As one of our themes. Might be just, like, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Your food will taste so much better. Take time for the extra five minutes. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I I am here to vouch for the extra five minutes, and I don't usually do that. I will gladly accept the lazy route with making food. (laughs) But I, I say this is worth it. And this is one that you do go for yes, all the time. 100% yeah. of the time. Now that I have done it, I'm never going back. Oh, okay. Well, wow. good. Yeah. Excellent. So this is a great tip. So I love that. And I'd love to hear if anyone's achieved hummus perfection with Mary's tip. But I know our listeners would also love to hear, Mary, from you about any tips or ideas for shopping at the farmer's market. Because... I know that you've been on both sides of the market stall, like as a, as a farmer seller, um, but also, of course, as a shopper. So we're just curious. What do you think people should know? So I just love farmer's markets, and I think they have so many great uses. So you're there. You have access to the fresh veggies. You're meeting the farmers. It's like that nice social space where there might be music and good food. So that's just a fun thing in general. And I would say most importantly to me is it's also a place for farmers to make money off of growing this delicious food for everybody. Mm. So while we're at the farmer's markets, I want to give a couple of hints or tips to get the most for yourself and the farmers. So I would say balance your purchases and try to hit a range of small farmers. So sometimes you might even hit those on the outside of the market And those are the ones that might be just getting started or could use kind of the sales boost or might have some interesting things. Um, Don't try to barter. Just pay the obscenely low prices that most farmers (laughs) already sell their vegetables for. (laughs) And then also remember to thank your farmer and to talk to them a little bit if they're not too busy about the food and everything and have that interaction because I think that's really special and it can make your day for both the farmer and the consumer like a little bit brighter. Mm -hmm. I agree with that because I know when I go to the farmer's market, if it's not too busy, you know, and someone says, I say, oh, you know, I haven't seen XYZ vegetable in a while. What have you been doing with it? And they'll say, oh, I just made this salad or, oh, I just, you know, my favorite thing to do is roast it or what have you. And it may not be something I'd thought about. So because these people are, you know, they're just in these vegetables all the time. Right. So and it's just just a nice interaction. You know, it's a nice Nice thing to do. So I'm with you, Mary, on that one. So what about what to buy? What should people be looking for at the store, at the farmer's market? So farmer's markets, at times, depending on how big they are or where they are, can be either like a kind of a chill time or it can be like elbows and (laughs) a lot kind of like maybe a little bit more stressful. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. there's a whole range of farmer's market experiences. But I would say when you're going through the farmer's market, don't forget about the basics. So you're going to want to try like the radicchio and the garlic scapes and all like the little like fun things. But Mm. don't overlook the potatoes and the onions and the garlic and the radishes. 
usually they are on the more inexpensive end of your farmer's market purchases, which is great. But then farmers also grow varieties that are maybe tastier than the ones you could find at your local grocery store. So when you're making your mashed potatoes, which is a really simple recipe that most people know, you make them purple mashed potatoes. And then all of a sudden you have a totally different recipe, totally different flavor and taste by just doing that simple kind of like switch out. So I would say don't forget the lowly um, kind of basic vegetables that you might be tempted to just get at the regular grocery store. Um, But I would recommend getting those also at your farmer's market. Oh, yeah. That's a great tip because it is true. A lot of the things like potatoes and onions and things like that, you just are used to picking up at the store and don't consider that the varieties grown would be would be not the stuff that needs to be stored for six weeks while it's in transportation. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, you know, what I noticed is um, when I lived up in Northern Maine, where they grow uh, so many potatoes, is that a fresh potato is this delicious, creamy, amazing vegetable, as opposed to the ones like you're saying, Betsy, that have been in the storage facility for six months you know they're almost crisp when you slice them which is like crazy to think about um so i i'm with you mary i think that's such a good such a good tip for people who are going to the farmer's market mary when you were at when you were selling at the farmer's market what was your favorite thing to sell i am a huge fan of the heirloom tomatoes and i think Mm. a lot of people are and that was my Most favorite thing to sell because I like the variety and we grew some cool kinds, but then also I like to kind of surprise people with the range of tastes in tomatoes because Mm. there's the acidic and there's the sweet and there's really fleshy and there's paste ones. Um, So that is my, that was my most favorite. What is your, what is the thing that you're growing in the garden right now that you're most excited to see come to harvest? Well, I am growing a type of ground cherry, which is a husk kind of like tomato berry, and oh. it is called a um, pine- Peruvian pineapple ground cherry. So that I sounds so cool. I'm excited about that one. All right. Wow. So I think we should have you on later in the season. We'll see how your garden's going, and we can talk about fall farmer's markets because there's all sorts of different things going on seasonally, and it's always good to have nice tips. So this, yeah, this was fun. We'll do it again. Thank you. I am looking forward to um, a whole immersion into winter squashes in the fall. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that nice. could be fun. All right. So maybe we're going to have Mary back on to talk about winter squashes. And if you want to be like in it with that conversation, still time to grow some. Go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe or I'll like dump some. local farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. The local farmer. Yeah, I think that's uh, what I'm going to be doing. Not like trolling the lows for a very leggy squash plant to plant in my patio. I'm going to be doing the farmer. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mary. We just love having you on here. Love you so much, sister. And we can't wait to do it again. All right. So coming up next week, it's our 20th episode, and we have a dinner party. We do. I cannot believe it's going to be 20 episodes. I hope you all can celebrate with us. So that's what's for dinner. See you next time on The Dinner Sisters. We'll save a spot at the table for you. Would you like a little dinner in your inbox every week? Subscribe to our newsletter by going to our website at www.dinnersisters.com for show notes, grocery lists, and other fun stuff. Got some dinner ideas? Shoot us an email at dinnersisterspodcast at gmail.com or... 
drop us a comment on our Facebook page, which is din- also Dinner Sisters Podcast. Um, and you could also ask to join our group where we talk about all things dinner um, or dinner adjacent um, over there. And lastly, as per usual, if you like what you're hearing, please review and subscribe. That's how people get to know us. Thanks and happy eating. <laughs>